In order for dough to be obligated al khala, it has to be at least the size of one and a quarter kav. However, if somebody makes two different pieces of dough, let's say each one is only the size of a kav, and after kneading it, so after the obligation sets in, and the dough is too small to be obligated, the person then later added the two doughs together, and combined them into one larger dough, which is now above the minimum size to be obligated in khala. The halacha in that situation is that they do become obligated in khala, since they're still dough, so they can still become obligated. The question of our Mishnah is what is considered mixing the two doughs together such that they are considered one large dough, and what is considered like just putting two small pieces of dough together, but not actually making them into one. So the Mishnah says, so Isa is also kabin, one who produces his dough as small pieces, only one kav each. So each piece of dough is too small to be obligated, but then they touched each other. So just touching does not obligate them in khala, because it's still considered to be two pieces of dough. So Paturbana khala, they are exempt from khala achi shaykhu. This literally means until they bite each other. And what that means is, if one dough is touching the other dough, but it's stuck to it quite a bit, and if you were to pull apart one of the doughs, it would take with it some of the other dough. So at that point, they are considered to be properly connected, and they're considered one larger piece of dough, such that it would be obligated in khala. Now, Beliezer holds as another way for it to become obligated in khala, even if the two pieces don't become stuck together. And that is, even somebody who takes lots of pieces of bread out of the oven, and again, each piece is the size of a kav, and then he puts all of the pieces of bread into the same basket, and the pieces are only touching each other. Obviously, once it's been cooked, they can't actually stick together. But a contribuleser, if they are in the same basket, and they are touching each other, the basket combines them to obligate them in khala. And the reason for Beliezer is that the Torah says that the bread of the land is obligated in khala. Now we've learned a number of times already that the obligation of khala sets in when it's kneaded into dough, which is before it's made into bread. So what does the Torah mean when it says that the bread is obligated in khala? It should have said that the dough is obligated. So Beliezer understands this posuk to include this exact case, meaning a situation in which it couldn't become obligated when it was made into dough, because each piece of dough was too small, while the posic teaches that there is still a way for that to become obligated. Now once it's baked, the individual pieces can't stick together, because they're hard, so it can't be that that's what obligates them, rather it must be that putting it in the same basket, that is what obligates them at the stage where it's actually bread, and that's what the Torah means when it says that the bread itself is obligated in challah. Mishnah hey, since the obligation of challah only sets in once the dough is made, once it's kneaded, so hamafish challah se kemach, one who separates a portion of khalaf from the flour before it's even kneaded into dough, ain't no khala, that's not a valid khala. The obligation is from Rishis Arisei Seichem. It's from a portion of your dough, not of your flour, and therefore it is not khala. Furthermore, if the coin were to keep it, the gozal biad kohen. It would be considered theft in the hands of a kohen, even though the original owner gave it to him. The kohen needs to give it back to him, because if he doesn't, then the owner will think that he's already given his khala and he won't end up actually separating challah from the dough, and he'll end up eating produce from which the challah has not been separated, which is a severe vera, and therefore the kohen needs to give it back to him, so he makes sure that the owner knows that he has not yet fulfilled his obligation of challah, and indeed, ha'isa atzma, the dough itself, once it's made into dough, chayavis ba'challah, is still obligated in challah, since the first challah was not valid. Va'kemach, 
and the flour which he gave to the Kohen as Chala, which wasn't actually Chala, since it's not actually Chala, if it has the minimum amount to be obligated in Chala, then it's obligated in Chala just like the original flour and the dough, because it is not considered Chala itself. If it was considered Chala itself, then when the Kohen were to make it into dough, he wouldn't have to separate Chala from it. But since it's not valid at all, it would be obligated in Chala when it is turned into dough, in exactly the same way as the rest of the dough is obligated in Chala. Now, although the Kohen has to give back the flour to the original owner, Vasrul Azorim Divrabi Yeshua, that flour is forbidden for non-Kohenim to eat, according to Rabbi Yeshua, and this is a decree with Rabbonon because since he declared the flour Chala and he gave it to a coin as Chala, so if he's then given it back and he starts eating it, people will see him eating what he gave to the coin. And they might come to the conclusion that a non coin is allowed to eat Chala. So to prevent that occurring, even though he gets it back from the coin, he's not allowed to eat it. So he'll have to sell it back to the coin so that the coin can eat it. However, Omlo the Chachom said to him, We're not worried about that. At the end of the day, it's not Chala. People won't come to the conclusion that it's now permitted to eat Chala even for a non coin. And in fact, we have evidence because Maisa Kufosho Zokinzar, it once happened that a elder who was a big Tamil Chacham, a great man who was an old man, he once grabbed this, meaning it once happened that this flower which was given to a coin and then given back to the Tsar, the non-Kohen, so this great man ate it. And he was a great man, so he assumed that he did the right thing. And so we see from this story that it is permitted for a non-Kohen to eat that, since at the end of the day it is not flour. However, Omar Lohem, Rabbi Yeshua replied to them, no, that old great man, however great he was, he made a mistake. Afu kilkel he ruined things for himself because he'll get punished for the Avera, but the Sikhin Lachirim, interestingly, he fixed it for others because others like you, who are bringing evidence from this old great man, you think it's permitted because of what he did. So if you were to eat this Chala, or this piece which was designated as Chala, so you would be doing it by mistake because you think it's permitted based on what he did. So you won't get punished so severely because it will only be by mistake, but he will get punished because he did the wrong thing, and in fact, he even calls other people to do the wrong thing. Mr. Volvi mentioned a few times already that the minimum size the dough needs to be in order to be obligated in Chala is one and a quarter kav. Now, a quarter of a kav is also known as a loig, or a reva, which means that one and a quarter kav is the same as five loig. So the Mishnah says, Chameshes revoim kemach, five quarter kav of flour, so that's the same as five loig. So dough which is made from that amount of flour, chayon bachala, would be obligated in Chala. Now, where exactly do we get this measurement from? So, the obligation of Chala was given to the Jewish people while they were in the Midbar, in the desert, and the obligation was that you should separate Reishisari Soiseichem, the first part or a portion of your dough. Now, what was the dough of the Jews in the Midbar? The answer is they had the Mon, the special food which Hashem provided them with throughout their journey through the Midbar. Now, the Torah says that the Mon, the size of the Mon was an Omer, which is the same as one-tenth of an Ephah. Now, an eighth is equivalent to 72 leg, which means that an omer is a tenth of that, so an omer is 7.2 leg. So the size of the mon was 7.2 leg. So since the command of Chala was talking about the dough which they had during the midbar, and its volume was 7.2 leg, so only dough which is at least 7.2 leg is obligated in Chala. Now, we just learned that it's five loig, but the truth is that's because the volume of a loig and of all the measurements changed over time. And there are actually three different time periods throughout the days of the Torah and the days of the Mishnayis when they were written, and there are three different time periods of how much each measurement was worth. 
And in short, each measurement was increased twice, and both times it was increased by 20%, which means that something which was 7.2 log using the original log is only 5 of the later log, since a later log was larger than a earlier log, so it was 7.2 log then became 5 log, since 5 log was as big as 7.2 log once was. Be it as it may, the Mishnah continues that Haim, them, that's referring to the flour, or Sa'iran, and the sourdough, which is bread, which has been aged slightly, and it's used to make other bread rise, just like what yeast does, the Subon, and their fine bran, the Umusanon, and their coarser bran made up of larger bits. So even though most people sift their flour and get rid of the bran, nevertheless, if these are still part of the mixture, and the dough is made together with these things, since some people do eat it with that, for example, poor people, they'll eat bread even with bran in, and therefore they all combine to make the chamesh shavaim, the five reval, the five leig, which will make it chayavin obligated in challah. However, says the Mishnah, since fundamentally the bran is not obligated in challah, it's only since it's part of the mixture anyway, and it wasn't separated away from the flour, that it has the same status as the flour, so it's also obligated. However, it follows that nitam rosam if the bran was taken out of the flour, so it was sifted, and after sifting it, he put the bran back into the flour. So as the Mishnah, in that case, the bran would be exempt from challah, which means that if the dough is not five loig without the bran, then all of the dough will be exempt, since the bran is no longer considered part of the flour, and it's just like any other exempt ingredient which is added to the dough, and as such it remains exempt from challah. Which design, with the rice of the amount which one has to separate as challah in order to permit the dough to be eaten, is any amount. The Torah just says that from the first bit of your dough, any amount of the dough, if you take that as challah, then you can eat the rest of it yourself. However, the Torah does say from the first part of your dough, from a portion of your dough, you shall give. So the fact that the Torah words it as a gift to a Kohen means that it has to be something which is considered a gift which the Kohen can really benefit from. So just a tiny amount of the dough will not be enough for that. Although it will allow you to eat the dough, because you would have permitted the dough, however you're still obligated to give more to the coin. So it comes out you'll just have to separate more from the dough and give that to the coin. Now how much is that? So the Rabbonon said that when the Torah says you have to give a significant amount, a significant amount is considered to be one twenty-fourth of the minimum sized dough. So a twenty-fourth of five loig is equivalent to 1.8 eggs, and so with the Orisa one would have to separate dough the size of 1.8 eggs as challah, regardless of how big the dough is, because that's considered a significant amount. So even if you've got a massive dough, all you need to give with the Orisa is a significant amount, which would be 1.8 eggs. However, Midrabonon, one needs to give 1 24th of the dough, whatever size the dough is. And so the mission tells us, Shira challah, the measurement of challah, the amount that one has to separate is Echel Meyasim Varibar, 1 24th of the dough. And one of the reasons why one has to separate a 24th of the dough, even if he makes a lot of dough is because since in general one only makes a little bit of dough and when you make a little bit of dough you have to separate one twenty-fourth in order that you're giving a significant amount to the Kohen so if one time you make more dough you still need to give the same proportion of your dough to a Kohen it's true that now you'll be giving more than the minimum significant gift to a Kohen but since you usually only bake a little bit and so in general the amount you have to give is a twenty-fourth we don't change that and even if you're baking a lot of dough you still have to give a twenty-fourth and this is whether it's a whether some is making a dough for himself, 
Or even if somebody is making dough for the wedding feast of his son, so he's making a lot of dough, so a 24th will be much more than 1.8 eggs. Nevertheless, as we explained, since in general 1.8 eggs is around 124th, so in this case too, he'll have to separate 124th of the dough. Now when it comes to somebody who always bakes bread in large portions of dough, for example, a baker who is making dough in order to sell it in the marketplace. And the same would apply to a woman who is making dough in her house in order to sell it in the marketplace. So people like this, since they always make a lot of dough, so for them, 1.8 eggs is always much less than a 24th. And therefore for them, they have to separate 148th of their dough as challah, since 148th will always still be big enough that it's considered a significant gift to the Kohen, since a baker always bakes a lot of dough. So we said before that in general, somebody has to separate 124th of the dough. However, says the mission, if her dough becomes tome, the reason why we're saying her dough is because it was most common for the woman to be the one who was making the bread, when it's not a baker, so shegegasar nusa, if the dough became tome by mistake, or it was totally out of her control. So then, since anyway, all the challah which you separate is going to go to a kohen, and then he'll have to burn it, so you don't need to separate so much, since anyway it's going to be burnt, in that case we're lenient, and you only have to separate 148th of the bread, or of the dough. However, nitmes mezida, if it became tome intentionally, she wanted to separate less challah, so she made it tome on purpose. So in that case, she is still obligated to separate echad me'esem varba'ah, one twenty-fourth of her dough. And this is because of a very important rule, niskar, so that the one who is sinning does not gain from their sin. And of course, it's a sin to make the challah tome, or the dough tome before the challah has been separated. Just like it's forbidden to make truma tome, it's also forbidden to make challah tome. So we don't want her to gain from her avira of making it tome, and therefore she still needs to separate one twenty-fourth of her dough.